Jackson Swain touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time for the Swain event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whip him. It's time for the Swain event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his mouth and a red flag. SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. I'm your host, Jason Swain. Hope you are having a fantastic, fantastic morning. Ben McKee of GoVall247 will join us momentarily. It is May the 25th. The month is almost over. My goodness. My goodness. The month is almost over. We're closer, closer to Tennessee football. The mini-term session is almost over, which means first session of summer school takes place in June, second session takes place in July. And what does that mean for the players? This is the season. Is it the regular season? No. But it's the start of a new season because you break down a football player's year into four seasons. You have the regular season, which takes place in September all the way up to December, January. And then you have your winter season, which is your off-season uh, winter conditioning program. Very, very important. It's where you develop your leaders. You make gains. If you want to lose weight, you want to gain weight. New playmakers step up. But your winter season takes place from January, February. And then you have your spring season. This is where you have spring ball. You have your conditioning to prepare for spring ball while still maintaining in the weight room and trying to make gains as well. You want to lose weight, you want to gain weight, you want to get stronger, whatever. So, fall, winter, spring, and then you have your summer season. And this is the season we're getting ready to hit. And for a football player at the University of Tennessee or any other place. It is now go time. It's always go time. You may have a few days here and there. You guys have the option during the mean-term session if you want to go home a couple days. You can do that if you want to. Some guys prefer not to. 
because you only get four years of doing this thing. You only get a four-year crack to go out and achieve your goals that you have set before you decided the school you want to go to. You laid down your goals. You want to go, go play at the next level. And some guys, that first year going to school, they'll hit the house during the meantime, but then they'll realize, like, oh, man, I'm at the house, and all my boys, they're not really doing anything. <laughs> they're not doing what I'm doing. I need to get back to work. And then your sophomore, your junior, your senior season, you realize, yeah, I need to stay where I am. Mom and dad, I need to put in work. Grandma, I got to put in work. I got I got. I have to make a sacrifice. I need to be here. But the summer workout, it is go time. Your mindset should be, this is the start of the season. Because now you're preparing yourself. You got June and July to get your body in the best possible shape that you can get it into. To be able to run all day. Hitting those gains in the weight room so you can withstand injury or avoid injury. Working on your flexibility so you can avoid injury. It is go time in college football. So, it may seem like a long time for us. It's fans. But the players, they are in the thick of it here in a couple of days. And I'm fired up about it, about our Tennessee football team. A lot of people talking about what can Tennessee do this year. A lot of analysts talking about what can Tennessee do this year. Who's going to step up with players leaving, graduating, going to the league? Who's going to step up? Do we see the system offensively take over to the point where it doesn't matter who you put in? All right, you lose talent. Well, the next guy's going to step up, and the production is not going to drop off from an offensive standpoint. That's what I'm curious to see. Josh Heupel's entering his third season, and we're going to see a different slot receiver. And the production has not dropped off. <laughs> it hasn't dropped off in two years, entering our third season. The running back room. It's better. Running back room is better. Some of the same guys, but it's deeper. You don't have to go out to the portal and get some, get a player that only lasts a couple days and Lynn J. Dixon. You're not in that position. You got some freshmen, two or three freshmen. We'll see which one of those guys step up. But it's not a dire need to play them right now. The reason why you had to, to bring in Lynn J. Dixon because you were in a rough spot as far as depth. And one bad injury, you you were in trouble. And kudos to Jabari Small for doing the best he can to fight through injury. But it was a touch-and-go situation looking at the numbers last year. And we were lucky that we didn't have anyone, like, out-out. You get bumps and bruises. You may miss a game of here, a quarter here. May not finish a drive here. But we're pretty pretty unscathed at, at, at running back. 
but the room is deeper. Offensive line, big questions there. Probably the biggest question on the team, quite frankly. But that was a big question last year. And we got a whole lot of answers, didn't we? Woo! Got a lot of answers. Cooper Mays handling business. Handling business. They said Cooper Mays was too small coming out of, of, of high school. They said he was Kay Mays' little brother coming out of high school. They had Cooper Mays flip-flopping jerseys and putting on different uniforms and jerseys and things during the game. He sure wasn't treated like a highly rated player. But let's just say Cooper Mays is coming out of high school right now. What would he be? He'll be highly rated. There's a lot of SEC coaches that saw Cooper Mays in high school that decided to pass that they made a mistake. They made a mistake. And playing center in this offense, you got to be smart. You got to be tough. And that's what Cooper was last year. So I worked the Vanderbilt game. Vaughn Network, I'm on the sideline. It's raining. It's really uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. And I see Cooper Mays go down. And part of my job there is to report things on the sideline. Injuries. Always. A topic you, you got to find information on so that way you can report it to the audience. Give the audience an update of what's going on. Do we expect to see him back out there? Is he done? Other things would include, all right, what's the tempo? What's the flow? What's the mood on the sideline? So that's the job of sideline reporter. You see games where you see guys like Cole Kublik and you see Don Davenport. They do the same thing, but I'm, I'm doing it for radio. So I see Cooper Mays go down. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do with center? Because we have some answers at tackle. Somebody goes down. Okay, we can move someone here. We can move someone there. But center... There's a, there's a big drop-off from Cooper Mays to the next guy last year. What are you going to do? So Vanderbilt gets the ball. So I'm just kind of peeping the scene, just watching Cooper to see, okay, is he going to be able to go back in? And I didn't think he was going to be able to go back in. I thought at least for a series, somebody else would have to go, go in. And so I'm watching the trainers watching sports information people to see if I need to get an update to be able to report. All right, Cooper has this going on. And then Jerome Carvin in that game, like he was unable to, to, to really go. He had sprained his ankle, and he just could not get back into the game. And he was trying. He sprained his in the first half. And when you sprain ankle in the first half, and you go into halftime, whoo, it's tough to try to keep that thing warm. And so Jerome Carvin had a tough time keep staying loose, and he didn't he didn't really go. But I'm watching Cooper. 
And Cooper looked like he was in bad shape. I didn't think he was going to be able to go back in. Tennessee gets the ball. I know Vanderbilt didn't score, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a situation where Tennessee got the, the kickoff or anything. But Tennessee offense gets the ball. And I see Cooper Mays get up off that bench and get back in and continue to play flawlessly. Wow. Cooper, one of the most underrated players on his football team last year. And he returned. With a dang chip on his shoulder. So you got him. You got Spragans. Who's mean. Who's nasty. Towards the back half of the season. Especially the Missouri game. Had some some procedure issues. Some some pre-snap issues. Especially that Missouri game. But I anticipate him to be a whole lot better. But like the offensive line. They have the questions. Losing Darnell Wright. What's going to happen there? But there's a lot of excitement, folks. A lot of excitement. Win totals came out. Vegas predicting Florida five and a half wins. Ain't that hard to believe? Ain't that hard to believe? The same program, every time there's a coaching search, they go, they go, out, they go out and get the number one guy, the number one assistant coach, or the hottest name. Or the pro- the most proven head coach, Dan Mullen. The coaches that Florida get, they tell us no. Bill Napier told us no. Dan Mullen, I won't say he told us no, but he preferred Florida. Will Muschamp goes after being a hot assistant coach. Florida's a top five brand in college football. Ain't no doubt about it. But look at the position they're in right now. It's mind-blowing. Five and a half wins? On Josh and Swain. Jesse Simonton from on three. Strong Florida ties. Told us apathy is hidden in Gainesville in Napier's second season. That's unheard of. It's unheard of when you think about it. Think about Tennessee. Dooley's second season. Butch's second season. Pruitt's second season. There might have been some, 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 some apathy set in a little bit during Pruitt and Butch's based on the drama that happened with the previous staff. But I remember Butch's second season. There was a step forward. Pruitt's second season. There might have been some apathy. There might be some apathy there. But second season? Florida, there's apathy? Daniel's not really concerned about Tennessee hitting, hitting, hitting Gainesville and hitting the swamp. And I'm one of them. I am one of them. All right, when we come back from break, Ben McKee, Go Vols 247, will join us. And he will join us from Knoxville. Why is he in Knoxville when he should be in Birmingham and Hoover? 
That's what he should be. But no. He's in Knoxville. So we'll talk to Ben McKee. Got him back in the saddle. Questions, comments, send it to the text box free on your Swain Event app. We will get to that and much more when we return. Jason Swain here broadcasting live from the Low T Center studio. Stay with us. The Swain event is brought to you by Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant, Dead End Barbecue. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Events, event.com fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Ben McKee of Go Balls 247. It is a beautiful, beautiful Thursday. It is May 25th. Ben, my man, why are you in Knoxville right now? <laughs> uh, because Tennessee came up short and Hoover did, did not perform well whatsoever. Oh, my God. Well, I shouldn't say whatsoever. Uh, the the pitching staff sh- showed up. Seth Halverson uh, was terrific. He gave up a couple of runs, had three walks, but I, I do think that the weather impacted him. Uh, it, it wasn't cold, but it, it didn't feel great outside with the, the rain. Uh, the, the rain was cold, and, and it was really windy inside of the Hoover Met. Uh, so not the best baseball conditions whatsoever especially not the best conditions uh to pitch in uh so i I, and i thought that that the the elements did contribute to to some of those early command issues because he was awesome in that first inning Mm -hmm. if i if i remember correctly it was a a ground ball to somebody maybe shortstop uh but then back-to-back strikeouts to to end the top of the first inning and the two strikeouts the first one was on a 97-mile-per-hour fastball that he absolutely dotted. I mean, just a beautiful pitch. And then he comes back and throws an even better pitch for the second strikeout on just a filthy slider with two strikes out of the zone. It was it was a pitching coach's dream, that first inning. And it wasn't raining at that point. And then Tennessee hits, 
And then Seth Halverson comes back out on the mound. And as he is warming up, I mean, it's not pouring rain, but a nice, steady, annoying rain just starts happening. And, and he walks the, the leadoff batter, if I remember correctly, and, and then had another walk in there in that second inning. Uh, so I, I I thought the elements impacted him a little bit. But given the elements, I thought he was really, really good, especially for his first start uh, at Tennessee. Uh, and he had struggled with his command a, a little bit towards the end of the season, Swain. But I, I thought that was a nice uh, confidence booster uh, for him going into the NCAA tournament. And then even Camden Sewell's outing started off shaky, walks a guy, goes down 2-0 to the next guy. Uh, in terms of the first two batters that he faced and then picks off the runner at first, strikes out the guy that he was behind in the count on, and then gets like a fly ball to to get out of the inning. And, and he was good for three innings. A.J. Russell comes in uh, and, and does good work before the rain delay. Uh, uh, Xander Seacrest, he comes in and gets the final two outs of the game, two ca cans of corn to right field uh, for fly balls. So the pitching staff showed up, and the defense showed up as well. Uh, you know me, Swain. I, I've been voicing my concern about the defense the last couple of of weeks and the defense was was what it needed to be uh, especially to to help out those pitchers it's just that the the offense didn't show up and I, I thought there was a, a non-competitive at bat here or there but I, I just they didn't have it offensively uh, and, and there were a couple of times uh, again where they had non-competitive at bats I thought for the most part there wasn't an effort issue that that's been something that I've seen these last couple of days that I've I felt is annoying and, and you know how annoyed I get every time somebody performs poorly, everybody just jumps to excuses and, and thinks that they're not playing with effort. Like you, you can play with effort and perform poorly and it, and you, you're performing so poorly. It looks like you're not playing with any effort. And that's, that's one of my biggest pet peeves as, as a sports fan is just how people automatically jump to the guys. Don't they're not fired up. They're not ready to play this or, or, or that. Um, and Tony Vitello talked about that in, in his post-game press conference right off the bat. Apparently, there was a Tennessee fan heckling Tennessee right behind the dugout about their uh, effort, and Tony Vitello went out of his way to to talk about that tough guy uh, and how he, he was saying that they were not playing with effort, and uh, Tony said that if, if guys weren't playing with effort, they would not be on the field this time of year. Uh, so, again, I don't think that there were – 27 really, really competitive at-bats to, to get those outs outside of the Christian Scott uh, at-bat. I, I thought some guys ha had a disappointing or two at-bat at the beginning of the game, but I do think that as the game went on, they had better and better at-bats, and, and then that's kind of when they started lining balls right at people and just had nothing to show for. So very frustrating, disappointing, tough time to, to have a stinker offensively, but that's ultimately what it boiled down to. Let, let me ask you Let me ask you this, Ben. Um because I look what happened with the Golden State Warriors this, this basketball season, and you know they had an off the field issue, off the court issue in the beginning of the of the season, where Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in the face, and they've had leadership like leadership has not been a question there at all, but they had so much trouble playing away. The, the the focus, the execution, the results just did not add up away. They were a totally different team when they played on the road versus when they played at home. And I'm not asking you because somebody punched somebody in the face in a dugout or anything. 
my questions is about this baseball team's inability outside of the South Carolina series, inside the SEC, to play the same or play close to the same as they do at home. Could, Bamba Key, could leadership be better right now for Tennessee baseball? Because I feel like wherever it is now, it needs to take it up a notch moving forward. But could it be better? Yes, it, it could be better. I, I don't think it's a a problem in, in the sense of, like, you, you think back to some of those Butch Jones teams and the, there was just the, the leadership and the culture inside the locker room. It, it was just thrown off from from game one day one even before the season started and 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 those teams kind of had no chance I I don't want to say that this team has no leadership because I don't I don't think that's the case at all uh Jared Dickey I think he's a nice spark plug I I think Griffin Merritt for a guy who is in his only season at Tennessee as a graduate transfer has has been as terrific of a leader as you can be as a graduate transfer and I think that's the issue like Griffin Merritt shouldn't be the guy and and that's nothing on on griffin good or bad and it's not only griffin there are some other guys i I think camden sewell is a a really good leader for the pitching staff Uh, but offensively for the position players i mean it's it's jared dickey and griffin Merritt. i'm trying to make sure i'm not leaving anybody out christian scott i i think is a very nice leader but he he's not the the Drew Gilbert type of leader. He he's kind of laid back. He he's not boisterous. Uh, kind of similar to to the, it's it's very similar to what we've been talking about with the Tennessee basketball team the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Like Josiah Jordan James, Santiago Vescovi, Olivier Comois, those guys. Like, I think they have leadership qualities, but they're they're not the grab the bull by the horn willing to 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 you know get in a teammate's face i i don't think and you know the the leadership that we maybe saw from a, a grant williams early on in, in tennessee basketball under rick barnes or last year with drew gilbert uh or evan russell or or luke lipsius they they have leadership qualities to them but they're more subtle they're they're, they're quieter people and i i think that's one of the issues not not that they don't know how to lead, but there's not that one bona fide alpha, I, yeah. I guess. Okay. And, and I, 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 again, I don't think the leadership is bad. I don't, I don't think the culture is bad, but I do think that it's maybe not perfect in the sense of, I mean, and, and I'm not, I don't feel like I'm stating anything unfair or, out of the blue, I mean, look how they respond to adversity. They haven't really responded to adversity well all season, whether it be going down early in, in baseball games. And they've had a couple of comebacks here and there, don't get me wrong. Uh, but on the road, they, they kind of get punched in the mouth and, and don't respond all that well. Now, lately, I, I guess you could say that they have because they got they got punched in the mouth as hard as you can get punched in the mouth at South Carolina and, and responded with, with a very, very impressive Game 3 win. 
So I, I, I don't think it's what it was last year, and I, I do think it's part of the problem. I don't think that they have that same edge as they have had the last two years. And, and Swain, it, it's part of the the, the new dynamic in, in college sports um, because you look at the, the roster and the lineup, you have veterans, mm-hmm. but th- a lot of them are transfers. Zane Denton, transfer yeah. from Alabama. Uh, Maui per- Ahuna, which, transfer. Which fine, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Zane, Zane it, it's it, perfectly fine. That you transfer from Alabama, it it is, but it, it's hard to establish leadership the way it needs to be when Zane Denton's from Alabama, when Maui Ahuna is from is from Kansas. Christian Moore's a, a true sophomore in a new role, probably needs to mature a, a good bit. Uh, Blake Burks, a sophomore in a new role. Uh, Cal Stark is a JUCO signee behind the plate at catcher. Uh, and and trying to pave his way in the SEC. Uh, Jared Dickey, we talked about him. He's out in left field, but even Jared Dickey was in a new role this season. Uh, Hunter Inslee, back in the fall, wasn't expected to have the season that he's having and, and as a starter. Christian Scott, he's he's just kind of a, a quiet guy and, and leads by example more than leads by his voice. Uh, Chase Dolander, more of a quiet guy in my opinion. Uh, Chase Burns is is definitely a quiet guy. But even Chase Burns and Drew Beam, I mean, they're they're true sophomores, yeah. and I I think they've played plenty enough and pitched enough innings to where they could lead, uh, e- even despite being a, a sophomore. But y- you just kind of look up look at the makeup of of the roster. Seth Halverson, although he was there last year, a transfer. Andrew Lindsay, a transfer. Um, you have some JUCO guys, Jacob Bimby, Aaron Combs, that have pitched this season. Bryce Jenkins, they're, they're JUCO guys. There, there's there's guys who their classification says that they're a junior or redshirt sophomore or a senior, but a bunch of them are in new roles or just got here. And and I think it's hard to to form the leadership necessary to to push you over the edge when you have a bunch of guys in in new roles and a bunch of new guys to the program. So I, I think that's one of the the ongoing issues in college athletics that coaches are, are trying to, to figure out as well. I was listening to Dave Van Horn last night or yesterday afternoon after they came back and, and beat Texas A&M in the SEC tournament. Dave Van Horn, they went out and got a bunch of, of new guys, transfers, JUCO guys. And he said that in the fall, they were extremely worried about the the leadership and the culture in the locker room because they didn't know how all of these guys were going to gel together. Mm-hmm. They, they were They were terrified of these guys not liking one another. Uh, and for Arkansas's purposes, they they turned out to like each other, but you just don't know. Like Tennessee basketball, they've got three new transfers coming in. They've got four high school guys coming in. Santi and, and a couple of other guys are returning, but it, it's going to be a different vibe in the locker room. There, there's no guarantee that all those guys are going to vibe well together. I mean, you would assume so because it's a Rick Barnes culture, but you just don't know when you're bringing that many guys in. And I, I think that's led to, again, the leadership's not bad with Tennessee baseball, but it, it's not the same as you've had the last two years when you had an Omaha team of Jake Rucker and Connor Pavoloni uh, and Chad Dallas and, and guys that, that started out with the program and, and built their way up and, and formed that leadership bond. Uh, and then last year with Trey Lipscomb and Jordan Beck and Drew Gilbert and Luke Lipsius and Evan Russell, we can go on and on and on. This year's been a little dynamic just because of a, a different dynamic because I think of, of the roster construction. I'm going to ask you, Another question about 
go to regional. The super regional's coming up, right? And Tennessee's going to be on the road. If Tennessee's unable to get out of the regional, is this season going to be considered a failure? When you look at where we were preseason ranked and what happened during the course of the season, even though at the end there was a little bit of a uphill uptick in production, winning on the road to end the season, then the sh- the run that we went on in the back half of the SEC. But if Tennessee's not able to get out of the Super Regional, and you had Dave Serrano feel like and say that this team is going to win it all, you had Slosnagel from Texas A&M called Tennessee's team a Omaha team. If you're unable to get out of your region next week, is the season a failure, Ben? So get out of a regional or get or not make it to Omaha. Get out of regional. Okay. Yes, a- absolutely. It's a it's a failure if you're if you're not made able to make it out of uh, a regional um, because this team just has too much talent to, yeah. to not make it through a regional. Uh, and because even before the season, I would have told you that if they don't make it to Omaha, that that's pretty disappointing. I, I don't know that I'm I'm willing to to call it a failure if they don't make it to Omaha. Because uh, I I do subscribe to the theory that you real nice about this. You real nice that? about it. You have a you have a history of being really nice about not calling a season a failure. Like I I do. That's what I know about you. And yes, that's not right or wrong. But that's just that's just, that's just that's me. Just, yeah, that's just you. That's just my makeup. I I I am. I'm, I'm, I am. I am. I I'm not afraid to admit that either. I, I am. I absolutely am more along the lines of Giannis Antetokounmpo and kind of his his comments that he had after uh, the the Bucks series losing to the Heat. Now, I will say, Giannis like I agree talking. with what's that? I said Giannis. Giannis was just talking. It sounded good, but yes, the the season was a failure for the Bucks. It was, and I was about to say <laughs> that. Like yeah. this season for the Bucks was a failure when. They were the one seed, right? They were the one lose, seed, yeah. Yeah, when, when you lose to the Heat the way that you did, and, and look, it looks a little bit different now that the Heat are about to maybe go win a, a championship. That I, I the, the Heat, just for whatever reason, did not play well during the regular season. And Eric Spolstra, I heard him talking about how they were in close game after close game after close game and just couldn't make the shot at the end of the game to to, to win those games. So maybe their their record wasn't, as indicative of a, a poor regular season as, as they had, but still, one seed cannot be losing to the eight seed and, and a guy and a team that made it through the play in. And what was it in four games, five games? I can't remember. It was a pretty convincing series win for for the Heat. Uh, so yes, this season was a failure. But just his comments in general about championship or bust, I, I don't. I don't subscribe to that theory because I, I just think you're 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 setting yourself up for 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 heartbreak and failure. I, I think they're unreasonable expectations. And, and expectations as a fan are are different than goals as a player. Like goal goals of a player should absolutely be to go win a championship. And there there are instances where fans it, they should expect a championship like these past two years at Georgia. Like Georgia by far had more talent than anybody in the country in college football. They should have won the national championship. And, and any, anything short of that 
would have been a, a failure because they were overwhelmingly better than the entire competition. So I, I do think there are instances like that. Uh, I, I would say that, you know, South Carolina women's basketball not winning the national championship. I, I would consider that a failure because I, I do think that they were by far the best team in the country throughout the course of, of the season. So I, I do think there are situations where it is championship or bust, but more often than not, I, I think people, fans forget how hard it is to win championships in every sport. Now parody is as good as it's ever been. And, and it, it, the, the days of one team dominating are, are over for the most part, because there is so much parody in the NFL, in the NBA, it's not just the Lakers and the Celtics or in women's basketball. It's just not the Lady Vols and UConn. There, there's talent everywhere nowadays because of how athletics in general has progressed over the years. So I, I, I think that's a an interesting conversation to have. I obviously am, am softer on, oh, on that side. It. What's that? I said we having it. That that's fine. Um, and and obviously I, I do think it, it's circumstantial as I just talked about. Uh, in, in terms of championship or bust, but but more often than not, I I don't I I just think you're setting yourself up to be miserable as a fan if you have those expectations, and and, and I don't want to be miserable as a fan. So uh, long answer to to your question, but I, I do think it would be a failure if they don't make it out of a a regional. They have too much talent not to make it out of a regional, and and it's just been shooting themselves in the foot after shot in the foot after shot in the foot to put them in a situation to where they have to go play on the road and you you kind of set yourself up with some unfortunate situations that that you're going to have to deal with in in the tournament and and you may have to 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 lay where you made your bed. So my answer is yes, it will be a failure. The the reason why is because of the talent and the expectations going into the season. If you have top-tier talent and you have expectations that are reasonable that say you should be in Omaha, if you don't get to Omaha, it's a failure because you have set the bar of where your ideal destination, where you want your ideal destination to be. Now, that doesn't mean that every part of the ride is a failure. Like if 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 you say, okay, I want to take a road trip from Knoxville to California. Okay. The destination is California, right? You want to get to California. But you take the road trip and you drive through different states and you're sightseeing and you're stopping at cool places like the Alamo and San Antonio and you're going to the Grand Canyon and you're stopping in Las Vegas and Whatever. I don't know if that's the, re the real route or not, but you get what I'm saying. Like, so the trip, there's good moments during the trip. But let's say you fail to get to California because, like, your car broke down or something. Did you did you fail your goal from the onset? Yes. But did you have good moments during the trip? Like, yeah, you did. You had some wins. You had some 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 cool moments. And, like, two things can be true. So, like, for the Milwaukee Bucks, did they have good moments during the season? Yeah, they went on different winning streaks. They had great performances by individual players. But the goal, based on the talent and the expectations, because two years ago you won a world championship, 
the goal, you failed at the goal. The Warriors, their goal was to, to go win a championship again this year because they won one last year. When you have high expectations, and that's a good thing. That means you have built the program up to a point to where you can even say that. I would rather be in a program. I would rather be a fan of a program where if we don't win a championship, it is considered a failure versus being ecstatic that we won 75% of our games. Because that lets me know the standard is not where it needs to be. I mean, you know how fired up I was when we heard Josh Heupel say, no, we expect to win every game. And we embrace the standard to win championships. And last year just wasn't good, wasn't good enough. It was good, but it wasn't good enough. Like, and we, we, we all happy and tickled to death about last season. Why? Because we didn't expect that to happen last season because of talent. We know it's not where it needs to be. But, like, let's say two years, and Tennessee has a roster that's littered with four and five-star players, and, and we're looking at mock drafts, and we see potentially seven dudes being drafted from a squad. And you go out there, and you win eight games? You win nine games? Failure. <laughs> you know like, you know what I'm saying? And no, the, I, I, I completely agree yeah, with you. And, so, and I, I probably sounded a little more loose or, or – a, a little softer with with my thoughts than, than I intended. And, and, and that's on me for not explaining uh, my thoughts better. But I, I completely agree with what you're saying because with the Memphis Grizzlies, they won over 75% of their games in the <laughs> yeah. regular season. They, they were the number two seed in the Western Conference. Yeah. And I had, I, I don't know that I'd say NBA Finals expectations uh, because I, I thought all along that the Nuggets were, were by far the best team in, in the West. And... and the inexperience and, and especially with the way the last month of the regular season went and and all the drama that came with that like I wasn't what drama? I thought there was a chance but I, I didn't have an expectation of them getting to the finals but I did have an expectation of of them getting to the Western Conference finals I thought that would be a nice step forward for a young core and they they fell well short of it uh, and, and it was so dysfunctional uh, along the way they had two nice little wins against the Lakers but the, the losses were just so abysmal that it, it it erases everything they did in the regular season. And, and I appreciated those wins along the way during the regular season because it was a fun team to watch. But then when the drama started to set in with John Morant and, and Dylan Brooks, the vibes were just different. So uh, I, I consider that Grizzlies season a failure. Even though they won a ton of games in the regular season and, and were number two in the West, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain and Taylor Jenkins, they've elevated expectations like you're talking about to where I yeah. expect more than just winning in the regular season. Uh, and it's it's no different than Rick Barnes. Yeah. Like we, we can appreciate what happens during the regular season equally as much as we expect more in the tournament. And that's where Tony Vitello has gotten his program too. And I completely agree with, with what you were saying about expectations changing because expectations have changed for Tennessee baseball. They're recruiting to where and accumulating talent, uh, both high school guys and out of the transfer portal and JUCO guys, they're, they're checking all three of those boxes where you can add players from at the highest of levels against the Vanderbilts, the Arkansas, the LSUs, the Floridas, the premier programs in baseball. They are out recruiting them. 
uh, here and there and, and getting top guys. Uh, so expectations have changed. And to your point about guys getting drafted, I mean, this is still a team that we're, we're going to look up one day and a good chunk of this team is going to be playing professional baseball. Andrew Lindsay, Chase Burns, Chase Dolander, Drew Beam, uh, Hollis Fanning. <laughs> we can go on and on and on just about the pitching staff, but even offensively, like, I know folks are a little frustrated with Maui Ahuna, but he's going to be an early draft pick. Not a first round, but probably second, third round. Uh, he's going to be drafted high. Jared Dickey's going to be drafted high. Uh, Christian Moore, Blake Burke, it's not their draft year, but they're, they'll be drafted fairly high when it when it's their turn. And, and there's youngsters in the wings that that will get drafted down down the road. So when we look back on this this 2023 team that has had somewhat of a frustrating season from start to finish, We'll look back and, and I mean, it's going to be a long tally of guys who are playing professional baseball, which highlights if they do lose in a regional that they did come up short. And quite frankly, that that the season is a failure because of how much talent they have and because of where expectations are now with Tony Vitello and, and the expectation going in to, to each and every year is is making it to Omaha. And, ben, and then kind of after that, if, if you're if you're able to win there, then then cool. Yeah. It's okay, and it's not okay. It's not okay when you don't meet expectations. If you are a competitor, and Tony Vitello is certainly one, he's going to win a championship. But, like, if your goal is set so high to win a championship and you don't, man, you can't you can't be moving goalposts and moving the, moving the bar down just to make everyone feel good. Like, you fail to reach your goal, and that's what's going to make you work harder and smarter and better moving forward to achieve that. Michael Jordan, there was times when he failed to reach his goal, but that's also a reason why he met his goal so many times too. So you can be great as a coach and still fail sometimes at reaching your goal. Popovich is one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest coaches in NBA. Nick Saban just failed. Exactly. So, like, you failing is a byproduct of the expectations that you help build. You get credit for that. So, like, I don't look at someone going, man, he failed to reach the expectations. Let's fire him. See, that's how some people think. Well, this guy failed at re-expectations. That means we got to get somebody else in here. No, man. That's not that's not how it's supposed to be. Now, if you fail repeatedly over and over and over and over and over, and you should be better, then that team organization has to make that decision. But in this case, winning in baseball is hard. It is difficult. And I look at Kentucky baseball last year where – they exceeded expectations, right? Would you say they exceeded expectations last year? Uh, didn't, didn't they no, make? because they didn't. They didn't make the tournament last year. What team? What team was expected to not not be that good, but was better than expected? Was it was it a different team in the SEC? What team made a little I, run in made a little run in the, in the SEC tournament? Well, wasn't that they weren't expected to the the team that made a run last year that I think you're referencing is is Ole Miss. And it was more of what about Auburn? Was it Auburn? Yeah, but Butch Thompson's a, a good baseball coach, so okay. I, I don't. 
Ole Miss was expected to be better than they were and were failing at that until no, they barely Miss. got into the NCAA tournament. Now, now this year, Kentucky's been better than people expected. Last year, they were just kind of ho-hum and didn't make the tournament. But this year, the point that you're you're making, Kentucky fits that that mold. No, I'll even I'll even use Kentucky last year. That's fine. You said that Kentucky last year was expected to make the tournament, and they didn't. Look at the difference. Kentucky last year was expected to win the tournament. And we're talking about Tennessee expected to go to Omaha. <laughs> like, there's different expectation levels here. And that's that's because Tony has done a great job of building the expectations based on successes and winning to get to this point. So that's that's just what I want to highlight. And there's going to be a time where, again, like Josh Heupel, 11 is going to be disappointing. Yep. <laughs> like, it's coming. Yep. It's coming. Like, Rick Barnes has, has, has built it to where Winning two tournament games, man, that's that 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 just ain't enough. To to where people are are frustrated <laughs> after you lose to to FAU in the Sweet Sixteen after you beat Duke to go to the program's ninth ever Sweet Sixteen. Only been to one Elite Eight. They're one game away, and I I don't necessarily fault people for for being frustrated. That that was a very frustrating loss to FAU and. That's a whole different conversation, but it, it is wild, just kind of big picture and speaking generically. Like Tennessee made it to the Sweet Sixteen and and beat Duke along the way, and and people are are frustrated uh, afterwards. And and I guess that's more of the side of of where I'm coming from. Is I see more of the 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 drastic end of things than than probably you do. I know you're on social media and I know I'm not saying that you don't have a pulse on the fan base, but I, I, I see it every day in, in my mentions and on the message boards. I, I see the diehards repeatedly 24 seven constantly. And like, I see my, my comments on in my Twitter feed on Tuesday when Tennessee loses in, in the way that it did, and everybody's questioning everybody. Everybody's you see irrational. calling out Tony. You see irrational, irrational, yes. emotional yes. responses. That's the diehards. Yeah, you 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 got you can be a diehard and not have irrational, emotional you can. comments. But that's you but you see a lot of that. Like you see a lot of it. You see, and that shapes my op opinions. Yeah, and probably why I am take I I take the more steady easy cautionary uh, approach of, of trying to, to talk people off the ledge. But I, I do agree with, with what you're saying. Like if, if Tennessee does not make it to, to a super regional and, and I still think that you can make the case of if, if Tennessee doesn't make it to Omaha, it, it's, it's a failure because of the amount of talent that they have. It is absolutely worthy of being an Omaha team. That's why you have Todd Walker's and Dave Serrano's and Jim Schlossnagel out here saying that that it's an Omaha team because of how much talent Tennessee has and also with the expectations that have changed. It, it, it would be a failure to a certain extent if, if you don't make it to Omaha because that is now the, the standard for Tennessee baseball. They've made it. They've had the, the talent the last couple of years. They're going to continue to have the talent. I talked about it last week, I think, 
I mean, they, they, I had somebody tell me that it would not at all be surprising if they win a national championship over the next couple of years just because of how much talent mm-hmm. they're bringing in. So expectations have changed, and, it, and it's pretty wild how quickly it's changed, Swain, because, I mean, it wasn't that <laughs> that far ago, long ago, when, when we were saying just get to Hoover, just, just get in exactly. the NCAA tournament. Exactly. And, like, three years later, it's Omaha or, or bust, and I, I, I think that's fair. But I just – my vantage point, just simply put, is I do think you are setting yourself up as a sports fan to be miserable more often than not. I think it's fair to have those expectations, but I also think that you're you're setting yourself up to, to be miserable no, as a sports fan that, because it, it's hard to get there. It's it depends really on your, hard to get but there. But it depends on your perspective, though. Like, like if your perspective is off, then, yeah, you're going to set yourself up to be miserable. But that's like, what I'm talking about. Yeah, but like if, if you got the right perspective, like, yo, we, man, uh, let's use Tennessee basketball. Tennessee was ranked number two in the country at one point, correct? And I remember having Dane Bradshaw on Josh and Swain, and we were talking about the next couple of games, and, and I remember him saying Tennessee has a chance to be number one at this point next week. And it didn't happen. And then Tennessee went through a slump. And then you had this, this uh, Zakat injury. So the expectations changed a little bit. And then you lost to FAU. But if you look at the entire picture and the body of work, I feel like the right perspective is to say, man, yeah, disappointed that we didn't reach our goal. Because the standard is high now at Tennessee basketball when you're recruiting five stars and, and, and one and duns and and you're picked to, you know, be in the top five, top ten. Like, yeah, I'm disappointed that didn't happen. But let's put this in perspective. <laughs> like, like how Ziegler was an all-conference player and he got hurt. So how can I really, really, truly expect this team to operate the same without a special player like that being absent? So I can also be, I can also have perspective, but also be disappointed. I don't have to be miserable as a sports fan if I have the right perspective. So like, like let's say Tennessee football this past season, that the the preseason projection was that Tennessee was going to win ten and a half games. Like they were expected to win ten and a half last year, going to last year. And this was supposed to be a championship run last year. And then Tennessee does exactly what everyone thought they would do. Beating Bama, beating LSU, undefeated showdown versus Georgia. All right, you lost a tough game. All right, cool. Your your expectations or the outlook on the season or the prediction of the season is still still alive and well, still intact. And then you go out and you lose to South Carolina, and then Hendon gets hurt. It's hard to look at that and go, man, I'm just miserable. <laughs> like, we didn't reach our expectation. I'm freaking miserable, man. Wait, wait a damn minute. How are you miserable when you just experienced the Alabama game? You experienced the, the LSU game. You had so many cool memories. Florida when yeah. it's been yeah. practically impossible for Tennessee to beat Florida the last 20 years. That's that's my point about, all right, you, you're still going to have good moments 
during the trip to your destination. Like, the destination is going to win championship. Like, you should have that, that goal. But that doesn't mean you just totally ignore all the cool pit stop moments. The LSU win, the Florida win. You mentioned it, the Alabama win. And I'm telling you, and you said it too, there's going to be a time, and it's coming soon. And this is, this is good. This is saying that Josh Heifel and his staff, has done a, they've done a great job, and the players have done a great job. But here soon, we're going to say, man, this team should win 11 games or should win 10 games, just like Tennessee fans are doing in 97 and 98 and 99 during those times. Some people are doing it now okay. for this season. It might be too, too early to do that, but hey, whatever. Hypo ain't mad that you're doing it. He likes it. He likes it. So he, he ain't mad about it. But, like, there's going to be a time where Tennessee is going to be expected to go out here and win double-digit games, and a play or two in a, in a game or two is going to determine whether Tennessee has a chance to win championships. Just like Alabama last year. Two plays beat Alabama. Two plays kept Alabama from playing the college football playoff. And you could probably go maybe four because that Texas game was touch and go in two for Alabama. So three games, maybe five or six plays determine whether or not Alabama was going to play for a championship. But there's still good moments during the course of a season that you can't let be forgotten. You can't just ignore. That's why you got to have some perspective as a sports fan. Just because you don't reach your goal, and maybe the season's a failure, that doesn't mean that every part of the season was a failure. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I com- I, com- I completely mm. agree with you. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you know I'm a little more cautious. Because you, uh, you w- see it. You see it, boy. <laughs> with, with, well, just in general, like as a sports fan, I, I just – I, I think it is so much harder for for people to win for teams to win championships than than people want to. No, it's very difficult to to, to give them credit for. I mean, it, it it's really really hard. You 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 have to play well consistently. You have to have breaks go your way. I mean, it, it's just it's just really really hard. And it's like even this past basketball season, like how awesome were those wins over Texas and Alabama it, at it was, Thompson Bowling? It was Arena? awesome. I'm I, I'm not forgetting about it just because what happened against FAU. But there are a good chunk of fans who do forget about it because of what happened against FAU, or even the Duke win. The Duke win was was the game prior, that was awesome. and that that kind of went out the the window. Or I know it was early season and, and didn't really have a, a ton of bearing on on the season at large. But how about the trip to the Bahamas when, when they beat down Butler, uh, Kansas, and USC? I mean, like those are three really impressive wins as well but all those regular season wins they go right out the window because they they lost to to FAU and and I do think and and I don't disagree with with this reasoning people are very frustrated with how Tennessee lost to FAU and and it wasn't just that they they lost to FAU maybe like they lost to Loyola Chicago on a buzzer beater but it was kind of like they they got bullied when they should not have gotten bullied and that that made that that rubbed salt in the wound. Fair, no fair, fair. Jason Swain, Ben McKee, I'm live in the Low T Center studio. Guys, June is coming up. June is National Men's Health Month. If 
you feel like guys you're not feeling like yourself don't ignore it go to low t center make an appointment low t center specializes in men's health they make it quick they make it easy go to their website lowtcenter.com and book an appointment today very convenient for you as well the monitor self-inject program super 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 simple they drop it right there at your doorstep so that way you don't have to go to the center each and every week making it simple to have an app that keeps track of everything that's going on with you your progress uh your your prescription everything right there in your own hands the low t center app we will take quick time out to get back on track and then we'll hit up the text box ben mckee go vols 247 jason swain here with you it is a beautiful thursday here in east tennessee swain event fueled by dead end barbecue Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Sorry, Thursday, man. It's crazy. It is crazy. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. Big thanks to Jennifer Morris, Dead End Barbecue, Pillar Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical, Low T Center. We kind of back like we never left, even though it's a little different. It's shorter, and we are broadcasting two days out of the week, but certainly good to be back with you in the morning. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. Ben, anything that you've heard about the possibilities of where Tennessee could go for the regional? Before I answer that question, I will encourage our wonderful listeners, if you're in the housing market looking to buy a new home in Knoxville or, or move to Knoxville and, and need help finding a new home, I do encourage you to reach out to Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty, the absolute best of the best, any way you slice it. She will help you find exactly what you're looking for, and she will give you the absolute best customer service along the way because she's just an awesome person and it's as simple as that so again if you're looking for a new home looking to move to knoxville i encourage you to reach out to jennifer morris of keller williams realty because she helped my wife and i find our very first home and made it a very simple process uh 
it's, it's still kind of up in the air. There, there's been a ton of projections the last couple of weeks. I, I don't know, Swain. I, I really don't, just because, again, I, I've seen Tennessee projected to go to Indiana State and, and play in Indiana State's regional. I've seen them projected to go to uh, Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. I've seen them projected to go down to Miami. Uh, I've, I've seen people talking about Boston College. Who who the heck knows? Uh, West Virginia was a projection uh, a couple of weeks ago. It, it's just kind of been all over the place. And, and it is even this these last couple of days it's it's become even harder to project in my opinion because the the regional hosts ha- have changed a little bit like for example it looks like west virginia probably isn't going to host like it looked like it was going to two mm-hmm. weeks ago because auburn and alabama they now look like they are going to host oh man um it, it, especially what a, alabama what a good story this is i hate it too i do this such a great story man i i'll be honest I uh I gave a nice little bump bump pissed wow uh, can't talk this morning a nice little fist pump uh, last night and uh, let a, a nice yeah out when uh, BT Rypel hit that three run walk off homer uh, to to beat Alabama I, I felt a little dirty because it it was Florida winning the baseball game but you know how we roll when it comes to cheering cheering against Alabama anybody and everybody it it, it could be you know who playing against Alabama, and I'll, I'll be right there rocking with them. Uh, I, I felt dirty doing it, but I, I enjoyed seeing Alabama lose. But they, they are an incredible story. They really and, are. Uh, Andrew Pinkney, their right fielder, is one of the most exciting players to watch in college baseball right now. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I do. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks on my own podcast, Wayne. I, I do think you you would rather play at home. Don't get me wrong. Let's get that out of the way. Tennessee needed to. Oh, to host a regional because a they 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 simply play better at home. I mean it, it, it's that simple. But I do think if Tennessee would have stolen one of those last regional hosts and did host, I think that their regional would have been absolutely loaded here in Knoxville. I I think that the committee because Tennessee wasn't one of the top national seeds, I think they would have gotten three really really good baseball teams coming to Knoxville. Whereas if now Tennessee is one of the teams going to one of those lower seeded regional hosts, then I think like Tennessee will be the main attraction in that regional and the the biggest competition for that team. So yes, you want to play at home, especially this team because they played so much better at home than on the road. They've, They've been disastrous on the road outside of South Carolina, but I don't think that's uh, – and maybe we'll we'll see when the bracket comes out Monday. Maybe I'll have some crow to eat. But I don't think that, you know, Tennessee being on the road, I, I don't think that their regional is going to be loaded because I, I think Tennessee will be the team going to the regional. And it's the NCAA tournament. All the teams are in the tournament for a reason. Uh, and, and you are traveling to go play somewhere. And, and that team did great things along the way to, to deserve to host. But I, I kind of think that it'll, it'll come down to Tennessee – and whatever team is hosting, if that makes sense. Hey, we'll know where we're playing here in a couple of days. So we'll keep our eyes out uh, for that. Ben, uh, Joe Milton, Ramel Keaton, the New York trip put on by Spire Sports Group, uh, Volunteer Club. Uh, man, I didn't know if they was going to the club or just, just, just. <laughs> 
going out on the, on the town. My goodness, man, Ramel and, and and Joe Milton was suited and booted like they was getting ready to go uh, out on the, on the town for for real. But um, Joe was on Good Morning Football there, NFL Network, and I mean Joe was laid back. He's calm. He's cool. Very confident. I ain't gonna lie, man. When he said what he said about Jalen Hyde being the fastest receiver in the NFL, I was like, "No, Joe, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't." Like, you always want to represent where you're from and have your teammates back and hype, be the best hype man for your teammates. But boy, that is, that is, that is something that now everyone's going to look at. And you know the Giants and the Dolphins play October, I want to say the 8th, I want to say, they play. But they play this season. And so now everyone's going to be playing close attention to the Giants and the Dolphins because Tyreek Hill and Jaden Waddle are the two fastest dudes in the league. But uh, a lot of eyeballs on Jalen Hyatt. But it was really cool to see uh, Joe Milton f- featured the way that he has been along with uh, Romel Keaton. Um, I was I was on the porch, Tennessee's last game against Belmont, and I got a chance to talk to a, a couple of Aspire guys and the upcoming trip to New York and how Joe Milton selected Romel Keaton to go because Joe noticed how hard he has been working and notice what type of value he brings to the team, even though he is a little bit quiet, reserved, uh, not out there, and felt like that, that Ramel deserved that experience. I thought that was really cool and a great sign of leadership. I thought so, too. I, I thought it was really cool when, when you told that story. Uh, I, I guess it was on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you shared that. Uh, somebody had asked you about. The upcoming trip, I, I thought it was really cool as well. And I, I guess I said it last week. I, I really believe that Romel Keaton is going to prove to be Tennessee's most consistent receiver this season. Maybe not the the bona fide best receiver. That, that's probably Brew McCoy. Maybe it's Dante Thornton. But just in, in terms of consistency and, and knowing what you're going to get game in, game out I, I think that's going to be Ramel Keaton and, and I'm really excited to watch him play I, I I'm really excited to watch the receiver core as a whole uh, I, I'm I'm I think Dante Thornton's going to do great things I'm not doing this of, with you Ben I'm not talking about I'm not getting on the receiver tangent with you today why people already think that that's you know buy stores receivers <laughs> well I'm saying it not you okay go ahead but hearing good things about Dante Thornton Brew McCoy is Brew McCoy uh, Squirrel White, I'm expecting a, a nice little step forward from him this season. I, I think he's going to be a nice, productive piece to this offense. And, again, I, I'm just really excited to to watch Ramel Keaton play because of the work that he's putting in and, and because how he has turned around his career. Uh, and it, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I, I was I was getting a kick out of all the the fur coats that, that they were rocking. I, I imagine we'll, we'll see some of that on the Vol Walk coming up this fall. Uh, I hope not. Why? It's going to be 90 degrees. Well, not when it's super hot outside, obviously. Nelson from Jackson on the text box says, Romel had that Pimp C player's anthem coat on. He did. That Cameron pink coat on. Maybe they were going to get all the coats and, and bring back for this weekend's big recruiting 
event that's that's going on. I think they're getting them to get to the baseball team for some mojo to get to Omaha. They could use it. Yeah, that's 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 what I think they're doing. But this weekend is supposed to be the recruiting weekend. The weekend. Huge. I mean, just absolutely massive. Uh, Steve Wilfong, uh, my coworker at 247, he put out a, a nice article laying out everything that that Tennessee has going on this weekend. And, and there's some pretty impressive names coming in. Pretty impressive names. I'll, I'll give that a retweet on my timeline. So if you missed it, you can go check that out. But when guys like Steve Wilfong, the, the best in the business, are talking about your recruiting weekend three days ahead of the weekend, you you have a pretty pretty big weekend in store. I don't see a retweet. <laughs> I don't see I don't see the tweet. When you well, he's on. tweeted a, a lot since it was it was a couple of days ago. I'm I'm scrolling. scrolling. I, I got an alarm on, on you know your tweets. Uh, on my tweet, I, yeah. Well, I'm trying to find his tweet. I, I haven't I haven't got notification that Ben McKee has has tweeted. I'll tell you about uh, this though. While you get that tweet, Hillers, you're making sure that you do not get burned this weekend. You know your home needs an air conditioner replacement. Do not wait until it breaks down. You want to be proactive rather than reactive. This month, get a free UV light and free electronic air cleaner when you buy select new HVAC systems. You get a whole home water uh, water filtration system for just fifty nine dollars a month. Or you can get a whole home generator for just $139 a month. Save the day with Hiller's Heat Wave Heroes. Go to the website, visit happyhiller.com to book your appointment. But big, big weekend for recruiting. Big weekend. I mean, they're in, they're in the process of landing a top five class. If mm-hmm. the, the rest of the way pans out the, the way that it absolutely could. I mean, they, they are in with with so many big-time players. Um, and, and you're, you're going to lose some here and there. I mean, you recruit too many guys not to, to to lose some. And, and like Jaden Riddell, the tight end, picking Georgia yesterday. I I, I see <laughs> Swain, I, I see kids that Tennessee's after it that, that pick Georgia, and I just shrug my shoulders. Like, like, what can you do? Especially like a tight end. Darnell Washington in the league. Brock Bowers, best tight end in, in college football this season. He's been the best like, tight end for the last two. Yeah. I mean, what, what are you going to do? I mean, it, it just kind of is what it is. Uh, and hopefully you can get a win here or there. Uh, I mean, Tennessee did get Ricky Gibson over Georgia last season, the the corner from, from Alabama. So it, it can happen. It's just it, it's real hard to recruit against Georgia right now. But – Exciting times for Tennessee football. It's it's the the future is is so so bright, and that's not a cliche or being a homer or or this and that. But Tennessee is really reaping the benefits of that that double digit win season last year, and and all the development and putting guys in the league. Uh, Tennessee and Josh Heupel, they 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 are striking while the iron is hot at the yeah. moment. So so like as much as I wanted. Riddell, a five-star tight end. Like I, I don't, don't don't get me wrong. I want all those highly rated players. But I've seen Tennessee's offense be number one in the country. 
without that type of talent at, at, at tight end. And no offense to Princeton fan, and no offense um, to Jacob Warren. Like, no offense. But coming out of high school, those dudes wasn't that dude. And it is what it is. There are some positions where Tennessee must win in recruiting to take the next step. Now, Tennessee's in a fantastic position for Peyton Lewis, who is a burner. Burner. Running back from Virginia. Like, dude is stupid fast. So, that's good. That's the type of running back they've been missing in their class. No no disrespect to Cam Selden, but a, a Peyton Lewis in, in terms of getting a, a high-end talent at that position. And that's that's been the the question mark from from fans. Why haven't they been able to to land a big time running back? He changes that. Yeah, he 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 would he would. So Tennessee's trending their good position. Now Tennessee has one of five official visits for the number one linebacker in the country, and and, and Sammy Brown. So you know he's going to he's going to be here. Um, edge rusher Dylan Stewart's going going to be here. Georgia's in the fight, uh, but. According to Steve Whitfong, uh, Dylan, Dylan Stewart's going to be here. Um, let's see here. Boo Carter. In-state guys. Uh, Edwin Spillman. Cameron Fountain. Amar Jefferson. In-state guys. But the positions, for me, where Tennessee has to take the next step. Artavius Jones is coming in. He's a defensive lineman. Chase Tyler, he's a corner from Georgia. Defensive lineman, Quintavious Johnson, who's also from Georgia, expected to be here. Cornerback, Caleb Beasley, in-state player, he's expected to be here. But we got to win. We got to win more in the trenches. We got to win more in the trenches. There's one play that in the Georgia-Tennessee game should sum up what Tennessee has to do with recruiting moving forward. Do you know what that one play is, Ben? I know you hate when I do this to you. What? The one play is when Georgia wrecked our backfield when we was backed up and it should have been a safety, but it wasn't a safety. Oh, I, I, I had the best view in America of that play. I was literally right behind the goalpost, taking photos down on the field. I, I was right behind the play. It, it was just an absolute car wreck, yeah. and, and Georgia was the one that caused the car wreck. The the thought process when you are buried inside of your own end zone. Everyone knows that the ball has to come out quick. Everyone has to be on point. No busted assignments. It's just urgency. Because we can't give up a touchdown. We can't give up a safety. So everyone knows, like, ball has to come out quick. And we're just in survival mode. Don't turn the ball over. Let's let's punt it and hope to get a stop and try to flip, 
field position. It's hard to ask your offense to go on a 99-yard drive. I know people used to Madden, college football coming out, like you're going to be doing that in your video games, but it's hard to do that and expect that real, real live football. Down there, it ain't about scheme. It's about man on man. And they wrecked our backfield. Why? Because no team in the country has been better drafting defensive linemen than Georgia. So that's where we have to win more of those battles. Would I like a five-star tight end? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say it didn't bother me. Like, it bothered me. But, like, we got to win more in the trenches for us to take the next step as a program. So that's why I'm paying close attention to. And I am looking at Tennessee trending towards a top five class. And it seems like Tennessee is doing it quietly, Ben, which is what I like. Yes and no. I, I think the recruiting analysts all are very aware of what Tennessee is doing right now. The, the Steve Wiltfongs of the world and others from other sites. Like, I think they're aware of what Tennessee has going on. But I don't think people who don't follow recruiting on a day-to-day basis or really care that much for recruiting, I don't think they realize that Tennessee's got something up their sleeves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you cover Which I like. Yeah, I do too. Like, if you cover recruiting every single day, like, you know what's going on. It's no surprise. But, like, I'm talking about the the booms on Twitter and fan, other fan bases accusing Tennessee of doing something wrong. And, oh, my God, Tennessee is on this massive stretch where you get – you know, commitment after commitment after commitment. Like we've we've been we've been we've been real discreet with our with our uh, recruiting. We've been getting some good guys here and there, but we're setting up for a huge, huge boom. Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Picked up dinner a couple days ago, Ben. Just wasn't in the mood to cook. Just couldn't do it, man. It's too it's too busy. Too much stuff going on. I really ain't in the mood to do dishes. So it was a dead end night uh, two nights ago. It was phenomenal. Sorry to rub it in, Ben, but it was it was it was phenomenal, man. I forgive you. I need to get the dead ends. Burn ins. We got the burn ins to go. Got a pound of burn ins, unsauced. Dipped it, dipped them at the crib. Got. Don't shake your head, Ben. Well, you're just rubbing it in at this point. Don't shake your head. Just just well, quit rubbing it in. You're making me hungry. Got some wings. But like my uh-huh. seven-year-old. Y'all, my, my seven-year-old. She's like, Daddy, I want d- dead hot wings. I'm like, you want the chicken? You want the boneless wings? It's kind of like chicken nuggets. She's like, no, I want the dead hot. I want the peppers. I want I want them hot. She built different, man. I don't, I don't get it. Because there's times when I just... When you look older, your stomach tells you, no spicy today. <laughs> like, no. Mm-mm. No peppers today. You can't do spicy today. And most kids don't like spicy food. My seven-year-old's like dead hot wings. She ate half of them. She put them in the refrigerator. And she told everybody in the house, those mine. Don't eat those. Like, I thought she was going to put her name on it. Like, it was a break room at a corporate job or something. Don't eat my wings, y'all. These are my wings. I'm going to eat them tomorrow. So, they hers. I ain't touching them. But they're hot wings on point. Dead End Barbecue, 
for your catering needs, wedding, any type of event, go to the website, daddyandbbq.com. Ben, whoo, we made it happen. We overcame obstacles this morning. We made it happen today. We did. We battled adversity. We did. We did, man. We kept our eyes on the prize. Thank y'all for listening. Podcast will be up momentarily, available wherever you get your podcast. For the great Ben McKee, Go Vols 247, who you need to be following in your Tennessee coverage, give him a follow. I'm Jason Swain, live here from the Low T Center studio. Thank y'all for listening, making this Swain event part of your morning. Peace and love. We are out.